Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. We're going to finish up our series today on running in circles. And again, James did such a great job last week sharing on the mind and thinking patterns and those sorts of things. And so I'm going to talk today, uh, we're going to wrap this up because we've talked a lot about freedom running in circles, how we get off the hamster wheel and all those sorts of things and talked about thinking, talked about behavior. We've talked about a ton of stuff in this series, but I want to help you today on not just understanding a thought, but to how to walk, how do I walk every single day in the freedom that Jesus has provided for me? How do, I, how do I move forward? See, because stepping into the next level and the next life that God has requires us to let go of some things of thinking and habits that have kept us in the place that we are. And I believe the hardest thing for every person in this room to do is to think a new thought. If you, if you, you know, in our lives, we, we think a certain way and we've thought a certain way for 20 something years, and then I ask you to think a different thought, all of a sudden you're like, I don't know what to do. Right, and so thinking is uh, linking, but thinking also is a very tough thing to do to change our thinking. But listen, the enemy, and I'm gonna show you this morning a little bit about how the enemy um, takes lies and misinterpreted events in our life and turns them into strongholds and how we can walk in new freedom as we leave this series and we leave today, we're celebrating freedom today for our nation, but that... For every lie, God has an incredible truth to replace it. And whether you realize this or not, we all believe lies every single day. We believe lies every single day of our life. Most of the lies that we hear are in, internal and they're inside of us and we have this wrestling match and this tension that goes on. We also understand that God never calls us to give up something unless he has something better for us. That God's not just asking us to let these things go, but he's asking us to pick up a new life. And so what do we need to do, or what do we need to embrace the new that God has for us? We've used the woman at the well for several weeks. And this woman, she came to the well in John chapter 4, and she came to the well, and here's the bottom line. She tried to squeeze God out of the well. She came to the well repeatedly. She came at noon. She didn't want to come when nobody else was there. She uh, Obviously, she had insecurity issues. She was broken. She was hurt. And uh, the Bible says that Jesus, again, he had to go through Samaria is what the scripture says, but he didn't have to. We showed you that. He could have went around, but Jesus decided to get in the middle of the mess that everybody else was trying to avoid. So when we have a mess, Jesus isn't trying to avoid your mess, or people we know that has a mess, Jesus isn't trying to avoid their mess, Jesus wants to get in the middle of their mess. And so we see in John chapter four that, that this woman, she kept returning day after day with, uh, at noon with guilt and shame, and because of her lifestyle, she encounters Jesus at this moment, he says, listen, lay your water pot down. I'll give you living water. And the living water that I give you is the Holy Spirit. It's a born-again experience. And, and you will, this will be something that you'll never thirst again. And he gives her acceptance and identity and security and purpose, all those things that she was looking for at the well. 
She found within living water of who Jesus was. She finds who Jesus is, and all of a sudden, acceptance, identity, security, and purpose happens in her life. See, listen, Jesus gives us the way forward. Listen, we gotta take some time, and we gotta let go of the things behind us in order for us to see things in front of us. God wants us to release the things behind us in order for us to be free and to stay free. Listen to me, you can be free, but you can also stay free. Right? You don't have to be. Proverbs says, like, how many of you have dogs? How many of you have dogs? It's not a trick question. You got a dog? Some of you are like, I don't know what it is. Well, it's a dog. How many of you have ever seen your dog throw up, leave the scene, go out here and hang out, and then come back and lick up the vomit? <laughs> you guys got some nasty dogs. That's a Bible verse. Proverbs says a fool is like a dog that returns to his vomit. You didn't know that your dog was in the Bible. You should tell them today. See what they do. Here's the bottom line, though, is that we have the same behavior. We keep returning to something that never was meant to sustain us nor fulfill us. We keep regurgitating. We throw up and then we lick it up. And when we do that, all of a sudden, we, this, there's no nutrients in it. There's nothing in it that's going to sustain us. And, and we keep going back to the well constantly. But God wants you to know today that you don't have to be like your dog. You don't have to go back to your vomit. You don't have to go back to the well. That you can actually stay free. Now, the question is, how do we do that? How are we going to stay free? I, I did this study on prisoners. I used to work in corrections, and I worked in corrections for four years with boys 12 to 18 years old, last step program before juvenile uh, prison, or they would be sentenced there, and they kind of, we were the middleman where we had the opportunity to, to help, uh, uh, the residential treatment is what they called it. We, we got an opportunity to treat them. And, uh, and so whatever that meant, but I ran groups there and uh, had a ton of success with these young men. But what I, what I want you to know is, and I've been in, in dumb prison stuff before, but this is a very interesting statistic, is that over 600,000 individuals are released from prison annually. 600,000. But listen, three, three, uh, three quarters of them are rearrested within five years of their release. They are re-arrested re, re because I started to think about the process of re-entry. Like when we would have our kids, we would have them for 12 months, and then we'd have to reintroduce them into society. And that was my job. I had to take them out into society and teach them how to act right. And if they didn't act right, so in society, right? We had to take them to the Neil Armstrong Museum. Listen, they love that. Not really. I used to take them and I would teach them before we'd be in the van or I'd do little classes with them. I'd tell them, I'd say, all right, this is how you act in public. Number one, you don't act like a fool, all right? Right, you sit up, we're going to the thing, you listen to the person, the tour guide, I'll catch any of you acting crazy, I'm gonna knock you straight out in front of God and everybody. And so that's how I would teach them, aggressive. <laughs> and so that we would take them, I'd take them out into society and I'd teach them how to act, right? I was trying to, trying to teach them how to re-enter. They were coming through this freedom program per se and they were having to re-enter into the world. How were they gonna stay out of jail? How were they gonna stay out of prison? They were gonna have to re reorient themselves into life and to change the way they think in order for them to reorient. So I'd take them out. 
And I'd take them into these uh, different places, and, and I'd, t- I'd take them out to nice dinners. And I'd say, here's how you sit. Here's what you do. You don't lay on the table and lick your plate. Come on. Right? Teaching them how to act in society. Well, that, that's kind of the thought pattern when I think about staying free, is it's one thing to come out of prison. It's another thing to know how to reenter into this thing called staying free that we have to reorient ourselves out of the things of this world. Well, I'm saved and I'm sanctified, but you got a mind that's from hell. Your body, your spirit, yeah, you're born again and you're a new creature in Christ, but your brains ain't. Your brains ain't. Your brains are the things that have to change. And so uh, when I think about that, I think about these kids that we'd have to reorient into society. We had to change the way they they thought. They, 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 they were, uh, uh, you know, I remember at the Neil Armstrong Museum, we were standing there and uh, one of the kids, and I told him before we got there, I said, listen here, man, you guys act crazy here. There's how you need to act. You need to pay attention to the tour guide and, and so on and so on. And there was this little old couple walking by and I got all these teenagers with me. And, and uh, he says, uh, one the, the old guy says, well, what are we doing, sir? I said, well, we're just helping these, we're, we're helping these kids learn how to act, you know, how to get them back into society and act so they don't go back to jail. And, uh, and so he's like, oh, okay. And so he's like, do you mind if we just kind of walk with you? And in my mind, I'm like, oh, boy, if one of these kids get out of line, I'm about to give them Jesus. <laughs> and so lo and behold, this little dude of mine, he was acting like a fool in the, in the, in the Neil, Armstrong, uh, Neil Armstrong Museum. And I was trained in what they call TAPS. It's Therapeutic Assault Prevention System. I was a trainer in how to knock kids straight out. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> But when we'd go out, I would tell them, there is no warnings. If you act like a fool in public, I'm getting, you're, you're going to the ground immediately in front of God and everybody. And so we were there, and I'd seen him, man. Here he goes. His name was Vincent. I'll never forget. He was a little guy, and here, here he is, man. He was all, man, he started acting a fool. He started talking, and the thing was, the person was talking. I said, man, you, you got, listen, this is it, 30 seconds. You better shut your mouth real quick. And I'll never forget, he looked at me and said, make me. That was it. That was it. I was like, I grabbed that kid. I threw him straight on the ground. And keep in mind, we got old people standing next to us. And they're probably thinking, this guy's abusing the children. Oh, my God, what's happening? I threw that kid on the ground, laid right up on top of him, put him in an arm bar. And I said, you ever talk back to me like that again? That's it. When we get back to the center, you're putting an orange suit on, and you're sitting yourself in the, in the, in the timeout room. Let me just tell you, when we went back and he got to go again, how many know he didn't act the same way? Come on, somebody. Well, we had to, read, we had to just change the way he's thinking and the things he's been taught. And that happens in our life all the time. I don't think we realize how free we really can be. Galatians chapter 6 or verse number 5 says this, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. In other words, your staying free is not up to Jesus. Your staying free is up to you. Well, pastor, you mean I have a choice in this? Yes, he's not waving a wand over you and saying you're free all the time. No, he, listen to what he says. He says. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. Amen. But then he says, stand firm then and do not let yourself, you stand, you stand firm, yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I wonder how many of us don't even realize how unfree we really are. I wonder how many of us have taken our freedom issues and we put them on God 
and said, God, if you want me to be free, then I will be free. That's a whole sovereignty idea, but listen to me, we have a part to play in our freedom. He paid the price, he did everything he's gonna do, that's why he said it is finished, and when he finished the work, he then put the authority in your hands that when you walk every single day, you have a choice to be bound or not. Well, pastor, I just feel the pressure of society and I'm just, I'm sinning. I'm a sinner, I sin all the time, I'm chief sinner. You're making a decision to sin. Oh, well, I don't know about that. There's these devils. They come at me all the time. Somebody had to open the door for them. So freedom is, 90% of freedom is up to you. You have to understand that Jesus paid the price, but we must. So listen, here's, listen. We identify with our bondage so well because we can never see past it. In other words, we can't see beyond it. So let me ask you a question this morning. What do you do if the addiction is broken? Like, we don't talk about this part. We only talk about, hey, the chains are gonna be broken. We're gonna have a breakthrough and God's gonna set you free and the chains are gonna break and you're no longer gonna smoke the dweedy dweedy and you're no longer gonna drink the drink and you're no longer snort the stuff and you're no longer gonna get into those relationships and God's gonna set you free. And we're like, Woo! But we can't see beyond the woo. That's why you keep going back to the well. That's why you keep going back to the same sin patterns. Who are you if you're not hurt? Have you ever thought about that? You live with a hurt mentality. Who are you if you're not the victim anymore? If you're not the victim anymore, like my whole life has been a victim. I used to teach victim stance with these kids. You take a victim, say, well, society, this and that and the other, and well, let me post about this and this. It's all about the people don't like me, and blah, 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 blah. Victim mentality. What do you do when you're not the victim anymore? You say yes to Jesus, and he accepts you for who you are, and he wants to set you free, but you can't see beyond the chain breaking. Who are you if, the, if you're no longer a victim? Who would you be tomorrow if God set you free today? Now, we've been in church services, and this is one reason why, I mean, I, I love altar calls, and I love praying for people, but listen to me. I've been in some folk, like 25 years of this, and I've been in some church services where I've watched people, power of God, hit them, the whole thing, the whole deal, and, and, and it happens, and God does some great things in their life for the moment. That's why, that, and then from there, they don't know what to do next, right? Or people that say yes to Christ, like, oh, yeah, Jesus, I love you. Oh, yeah, he died for me. Oh, God, he loves me. He loves me. God, I'm a sinner. Help me. Save me, Jesus. But then what do I do? How do I stay free from the thing that he set me free from. How do, how do I come out of Egypt and get Egypt out of me? How, how, do, how do I walk this thing out? I believe there's so many Christians today that don't know what to do beyond the chain breaking. Well, is that gonna require me to read my Bible? We'll get there. Here's the big idea this morning. Is most Christians know what they wanna be saved from, but they don't know what they want to be saved for. We're saved from something, 
again, we can only see the chains breaking, but we can't see past that. We, 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 uh, we, we aim to love. We have a, 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 a concept of being saved from something, but what are we saved for? Listen, we know what we're trying to stop, but let me ask you a question. What are you trying to start? Not just what are you trying to stop. All right, now stop it. Parents, listen to me for just a minute when it comes to your teenagers. You are trying to get them to stop all sorts of behavior, but you're not giving them a vision for their life for them to attach onto something different than how they're behaving. You're just saying, stop that. Don't smoke the weed. Don't do the cigarettes. Don't do this. Don't do that. Don't look at porn. Don't do that. Don't do this. Okay, that's like going to a motivational speech at a high school where they stand up with the, the sign with the no drugs, the big circle. Don't do drugs. What do all the kids in the high school do after they see the don't do drugs sign? They go smoke weed in the parking lot. You're like, Pastor, how do you know that? <laughs> Before Christ, amen. The point is this is that we know what we want to be saved from, but we don't know what we want to be saved for. We don't know what to, we try to stop, but we don't know how to start. There's a difference between set free and staying free. Listen to me, a lot of people prepare for the wedding, but they don't prepare for the marriage. In other words, we get saved and we're at the, hey, we're at the wedding, but now how do we, how do we, how do we live with this person? Have you seen what you've given me, Jesus? How do I do this, right? You didn't prepare for marriage. You prepared for a wedding day. So, right, you wanted to do the big reveal. You did the, you know, you, you, the, the whole choreographed uh, 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 proposal these days. Like, you've got to be a dancer to get saved these days or to, to be married. You see these YouTube videos and, and down at Disney, and all of a sudden, Justin Bieber and 50 people come out, and they're like, you want to marry me? I mean, they just get it. And you're like... Bruh, I was over the Arkansas River that had no water in it. I got down on my knee with a jacked up ring and said, will you marry me? But 26 years later, I can say I'm still married to the same woman, have the same and, and, and greater love than I've ever had. Why? Because the, the point is this, is that we prepare for the, here's the point, is we know what to, we, we, want, we prepare for the wedding, but we don't prepare for the marriage. You come to Jesus, that's the wedding, Yes, Lord, I love you. I want to forgive me my sin. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Drop my rag. All those things. But then you walk away and you go, how do, how do I be married to Jesus? How, how do I be married to him? Well, let me give you a couple things really quick. Four ways. Number one, you got to embrace new truth. You have to embrace new truth. Here's what happens. An event takes place in your life. Let's say when you're, you're and I'm going to use an example of dad leaving. An event happens in your life, right? And all of a sudden, there's a misinterpretation of that event. You say, right, all of a sudden you say, okay, well, okay, dad left, right? And it's not that dad left because we weren't, mom and dad weren't compatible and they, they weren't working on it, that, that there was legitimate issues. But what happens is we misinterpret that event and a lie gets attached to that event. So all of a sudden now we're interpreting this event through a lie. A lie gets attached to it and then we misinterpret it and a lie gets attached to it, so we start to believe a lie. So our interpretation is not that mom and dad were struggling is why dad left, but our interpretation becomes dad didn't love me and I'm not worth loving. See, our interpretation of that moment sets us up for how we're going to view life later on. So then what happens is we misinterpret this, we believe a lie, 
And that's just an example. There's other examples that we could give. But all of a sudden now we start to believe a lie and there's this stronghold that happens in our life and this becomes a core in our life. In other words, this is how we filter everything. Dad didn't love me and I'm not worth loving. So you live your life and you grow up and you get older and you live through this lie and you filter all your relationships through it. And so all of a sudden people, they, they, they live their life with this feeling is I'm not worthy of being loved. Here's what, here's what happens. They start to put up with abuse. They begin to become a leech to people. And all of a sudden, people start to push them away. And here's what they say. See, I told you I wasn't worthy of loving. And all of a sudden, this event takes place. And as we're an adult, we're filtering everything through something that happened as a misinterpretation of an event that we allowed a lie to get to. And some of this is us beyond. You don't know this is happening. And so all of a sudden now you're living as an adult and you're like, I got this stronghold. Where did it come from? You have to understand every lie you believe is the lie that is fueling your current bondage. Every lie you believe about yourself, about God, about others is fueling your current level of bondage and sin. So, We, number one, have to embrace new truth. So we have to, listen, you can't fix the sin if you don't fix the lie. If you gotta go back, so because the lie is what is fueling the sin. So listen, our mindset is, I need to stop doing certain things in order to fix it, right? So I just need to disengage from people. I don't need to be around people, right? Because they hurt me. People hurt me. People hurt me, Uh uh-huh, yeah. But that's coming through a misinterpreted event that happened when you were five. Right, Pastor, why are you digging into that area? Let's just go with it. You're misinterpreted. So now all of a sudden, you're, you, you select certain people to be around, and you're a certain group of people. I don't know, I'm a certain group of people. The reason is, is because you don't like to be vulnerable with people that are similar to the situation that happened when you were five. All of a sudden now, you start to filter your entire life through it, and you're living a lie. Our mindset needs to be, I, don't, I need to stop doing certain things versus I need to stop thinking certain things. Dr. Ken Boa said it this way, believers should worry less about the devils reaching them than about his teaching them with the lies and false doctrine. When you learn to capture your thoughts, you'll learn to defeat your enemy. The lie that you are believing between your ears is fueling your current level of bondage. If you are going to be free, it's going to start with embracing new truth. You find the lie, you find the entry point, and you can slam the door with new truth. You can slam the door with God's word. For listen, every one of the enemy's lies, God has a better truth for you. So I did the work for you. You got a card on your seat. This card is a list of declarations that you can take from this series. I wanted to put something in your hands that help you stay free. See, because some of these things, what you have to understand is there's new truths. For example, in 1 John 3, 1, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. In other words, I am loved. It's not that I'm not worthy of love, that I am loved. God loves me. I'm chosen. Ephesians 1, 4 says, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us to Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided to advance to adopt us in his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. 
This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. God adopted us into his family, and it made him happy. You're chosen of God. You're loved of God. So listen, if you're going to replace the lie, you got to replace it with truth. What's truth? Listen, I understand we're living in a society today that there's only about 2% of today's society that call themselves Christians, 27% call themselves Christians, only 2% of the 27% actually believe in a biblical worldview of absolute truth. We're living in a scary day, folks. People are ignorant. They don't know what they believe. They don't know. They, they just come to church. We don't dig. We don't get into new truth. We don't find the word. We, we believe anything that comes along. And we're not solid in the foundation of the gospel. And we're finding ourselves being biblically illiterate when it comes to fighting an enemy that's not. Why am I? Well, you, you haven't picked up the sword for a long time, so you, you don't have new truth going in in order for you to fight. How do you stay free? You got to embrace new truth. So these declarations, I want you to take these and I want you to say these every week. When you get up in the morning, I gave you the scriptures, you can look them up yourself and highlight them in your Bible. But when the enemy comes against you, I'm a child of God. I'm part of God's family. I'm an heir of the kingdom. I'm dead to sin. I'm secure. I'm chosen. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm loved. I'm worth it. So when the lie comes, you take the declaration of God's word and you put it against the lie. That's how you're going to stay free. Well, you know, pastor, I don't know how. This sounds like a lot of work. Stay bound. It's up to you. Galatians tells us. If you want to stay free, it's up to you. Going to church doesn't make you free. Right? As my pastor says, no different than you standing inside of a garage thinking that you're going to become a car. It's never going to happen. Here's the point. There has to be intentional warfare and word of God in your life. Well, I just don't have the time. Stay bound. That's all I'm telling you. That's your choice. Right? Bondage and staying free is your choice. Listen, you might get your fire insurance, but it's going to be a miserable earth. It's going to be a miserable earth for you. I'm in the family. God wanted to adopt me. It made him great pleasure. Listen, there's 8,000 promises of new truth that you can stick between your ears and break the stronghold and destroy the lie. Listen, let me, let, me, let me prophesy this over you. You are not helpless victim to your thought life. I don't care what society's telling you. We have the largest level of mental health issues than we've ever had in our entire history of, in, in the planet. Why is that? I heard somebody say it like this, that especially the next generation, the reason they're dealing with mental health is because this is the first generation that's living on the earth today that's been told it's all about them. Everything's about them. We don't teach our kids anymore about self-sacrifice. We don't teach them about picking up their cross and dying daily. We don't teach that stuff. No, we don't talk about that stuff. No, 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 no. It's about them. Right? It's about their success. It's about their purpose. Listen to me. They will achieve their purpose when you connect them to the one that made their purpose. So we have to realize there has to be new truth. There has to be truth of God's word come in. You're not helpless victim to your thought life. He's given you access to the thing that created the world, his word. God said, let there be. And the word of God was framed. Framed the entire earth was the word of God. 
Let me encourage you today, take God's word, make it a new truth in your life and you will stay free. Every time that thought comes up, all of a sudden you gotta take God's word that you're sown in your heart and when you need it, it'll come out. There's times in my life, guys, where, where I walk off this platform and I'll get to my car and the devil will beat my brains silly leaving this church. Well, I can't believe you said that. Who's gonna be offended about that? Who's gonna be this? And all of a sudden he starts, how did you say that? Why didn't you just tell them how, much, how awesome they are? And all of a sudden they're like, he just starts bombarding my mind, what do I do? I don't sit in the car and go, oh God, you're right, devil, you went. I don't negotiate at the table of the enemy. I slap the trump card down, bam, you're done. All those lies that come against me, I'm a child of God. God, I'm his mouthpiece. God put an anointing on my life to speak. There's grace and mercy for my life. I'm a son and daughter of God. I'm a son. I'm a, uh, you're a daughter. You're, you're, you're chosen. You're, you're adopted. You're free. And all of a sudden, I start to rehearse what God says about me. And all of a sudden, he's got to go. Whatever you entertain in your thought life will either free you or bound you. New truth. Number two, we gotta embrace a new feeling. Look at your neighbor and say, you are full of something. Look at your other neighbor, which was probably your husband. You are full of something. We're all full of something. We need a new infilling. We need a new infilling. We need to embrace a new infilling of the Holy Spirit. We need to replace, we need to replace the space. We must have a new feeling. Luke chapter 11 talks about a story when an impure spirit comes out of a person. It goes through and places uh, seeking uh, the worship person, uh, uh, the keyboard, come on up. I'm gonna have to roll with these next two. Replace the space. There's a story in Luke 11 when an impure spirit comes out of a person. It goes through and places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left when it arrives. It finds the house swept clean and put in order. Then it goes and takes seven other spirits more wicked than themselves. They go in and they live there and the final condition of the person is worse than the first. I, I had an image of somebody, for example, this story, I, 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 we have to understand we have to have a new feeling so we have to re re replace the space. Don't just be emptied of sin but be filled with God. Don't be just emptied of sin but be filled with God. It's kind of like having a guy living in your basement named Brad. Not Brad Short. But Brad, Brad lives in your basement. And all of a sudden, you, you, your basement is destroyed. You go down there and you're like, you know what? We're done with Brad. I've had enough of Brad. He's not living in my basement anymore. He stinks. There's stuff down there. You open the door and there it is. Brad, time to go. So you take a, make a decision. This is my house. I'm no longer gonna let Brad live in my basement. So you kick Brad out. Brad leaves. You get down there, you tear it all out, you make it clean, nice, pretty, get it all nice, paint the walls and everything like that. And all of a sudden, it's just sitting there empty. And Brad walks by one day, and Brad looks in the window at the basement. Well, it's empty, so I guess they don't have anybody occupying the space. So you know what? I'm gonna call my buddies, seven of them. What's up? Hey, man, remember that basement I got kicked out of? It's empty, it's available. Let's just go ranchacking. Let's go get. Let's go live in. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go uh, get in that basement. So seven guys. They come. All Brad and his buddies. They break into the basement. They start setting up in the basement. They occupy the basement. Why? Because nobody occupied the basement. And this is what we do in our life. We get sent out, but we don't fill it with nothing. 
We leave it unoccupied, and we leave it unoccupied. Oh, yes, I I got rid of sin, and I had a born-again experience, but I didn't get the filling of the Holy Spirit. And if the Holy Spirit's not filling you, then that means your rooms are empty, which means the thing that's going to fill it again is seven times stronger coming your way to set you back into bondage. So you're going to get filled. you got to have the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit has to fill you. In order to replace the space, we got to give God space. When I talk to God in my car on the way to work, that's great. Find a spot where you say, Jesus, fill me. All the space in my life that's empty, fill me with your Holy Spirit. And all of a sudden, you you embrace new truth, and then you have a a new feeling that comes. And number three is you got to embrace a new power. Now, I'm not talking about the power you're thinking about. When I say power in a church that believes in the Holy Spirit is all of a sudden we're thinking like, oh, yeah, he's talking about the gifts, the power, the holiest, the Holy Spirit, the dunamis, the fire, the tongues, Acts chapter 2, hallelujah. That's all I'm talking about. We want that. We're like, oh, yeah, bring on the gifts, words of wisdom and words of knowledge and all of that. Oh, I want that. We'll bring it on. Bring on the power. But then I say live holy, and you're like, oh, oh, I could take or leave that. See, the power God's talking about is not another emotional experience, but a decision to live godly. The Bible says this. Here's what the Bible says. A new power is not the power that you're thinking about, power to live godly. Not the gifts of the Spirit and the power of God, but there's something also in Galatians chapter 5 called the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of God. 2 Peter 1.3 says His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything we need is for a godly life. God gives it to us. Listen, you have the power in this moment to choose whether you sin or not. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation is overtaken except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, you will be tempted. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure. And finally, We must embrace a new mission. This woman in John 4, as we wrap up, this woman leaves her water pot. She runs back into town to tell everybody to come and see who told her everything. Here's what's amazing about this moment is she leaves her water pot and Jesus wasn't like, hey, 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 wait, 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 wait. Before you go back into town, you gotta go through membership at church, amen. No, 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 no. Before you go back into town, hold on, you better get your Bible degree. No, 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 Don't you go back in there. Come back here. You come back here. You didn't get your theology right. No, 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 no. Don't go tell them. Don't go tell them until you get all this stuff in order. No, that's not what he said. Listen to what happened in this moment. See, she runs and told people. It wasn't taught. It wasn't instructed. It was a direct response to her freedom. So your new mission should be an automatic not a coaching, not an instructing, not a teaching, not a a Bible degree. It's a response to freedom. Hey, bro, here's why I am the way I am. It's because Jesus came into my life and he set me free and he can do the same thing for you. Really? Absolutely. He loves you enough, just like he loved me, to set me free and give me a brand new life. And you know what? That can happen for you as well. 70% of the unchurched people in America are just waiting for somebody to tell them about Jesus. 70%. 
God wants us to be a place and a person, not here, but out there. That the direct response to freedom is a new mission. She runs and tells the people she didn't get taught and instructed. Listen, she used to live to sin, now she lived to tell. She went out and told, come see a man. So the question is, what's your new mission? What's your new mission? If you're, gonna, if you're gonna walk and stay free, your purpose has to become clear. You have to have a new mission. You're like, well, I don't know all the details. Here's how you get started. Love your neighbor. That's a good mission. Watch what's coming through your social media feed. If it ain't love, shut her down. Shut it down. Shut it off. Kick it to the curb. Because if you can't represent Jesus on your social media, you need to get rid of it. See, we need a new mission, love your neighbor. Start serving again. That's a new mission. Come out of, of just sitting and start serving. So here's the bottom line. You weren't just made to stop sinning, you were made to start doing good. God wants you to embrace new truth, a new filling, a new power, and a new mission. And when you do, you will be able to stand against the onslaught of the enemy and you won't go back to the well. You will stay free. Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person in the room today. I pray, God, that through this series, Lord, as we take your word and as God, as we continue to, to, to walk out and declare our freedom, we thank you today for the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you today, Lord, for the Holy Spirit. God, thank you today for the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the word of God today. Thank you today for new patterns and new habits and new, and new decisions, Lord, as we move forward, God, in our freedom. Thank you today, Lord, that, that we can choose to stay free. I pray for each person in this room, Lord, that needs to make that decision today. That, God, we would all walk according to Galatians 5. That, Lord, we would make a decision to endure, stand up against by the word of God, by the, by the truth, by the filling by the word, by the power, by mission. Lord, thank you today that you ignite this in the hearts of your people. The Lord God, we're not just doing devotions, but we're, we're putting a sword in our life that when onslaught and temptation and things come for us to return to the well, that God, it is truly your word that replaces the lie and allows us to live in brand new truth. So Father, we love you today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Can you guys give the Lord a big hand clap this morning for his word? Thanks again for listening to our podcast. Be sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.